0: want you to think about the way that you have used the word good in conversation today, maybe the last few days. Think think about it. Maybe it's hard to think about that because the word good is such a common word. We say it all the time. I mean, Chipotle was good, right? Maybe you took a bite and you were like, oh man, that's good. That's a good burrito. Maybe you watched uh, a game, and you said, oh man, that was a great game. It was a good game. I enjoyed watching that. Oh, this is a good song. Maybe someone today said, hey, how are you? And you said, oh, I'm good. Things are good. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's good. It's a word that we use all the time. And to be honest, at times, it can seem a little bit out of place whenever we talk about God being good and what I mean is we talk about all of these words right these immutable omniscient omnipresent sovereign holy and then we have the word good you've never taken a bite of a chipotle burrito and said that was sovereign (laughs) good it's a common word we use it all the time and we need to understand what does it mean that God is good the Bible is very very clear that God is good. It's all over the place. All over scripture, God is good. Psalm 25, 8. Good and upright is the Lord. Psalm 31, 19. Oh, how abundant is your goodness. And Psalm 34:8, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So it's important to understand what do we mean when we say That God is good. We mean something very, very different than we say, than when we say, lunch was good, that song is good, or any other way. When we say that God is good, we mean that His goodness is an essential part of His nature, it's inseparable. His nature is good, He is good down to the core. And he can only do good things because he is good. He is good. He is right. He is perfect, which means he is good, he is right, and he is perfect in all of his ways. All of his decrees are good. All of his dealings with his people are good. Everything that God has ever said, everything that He has ever done, everything He has ever thought is good, and it is all because He is good, and He will always be good, because He is unchanging. So I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 23. I mean, There are several passages of Scripture we could open up to tonight to talk about God's goodness, but... I think Psalm 23 clearly states in a few different ways what makes our God so good. God's goodness, it can be overlooked, it can be underappreciated, it can be misunderstood because the word good is such a popular word. But God's goodness, is such an integral part of his character, of who he is, that if we don't pay attention to it if we don't study what does it mean that god is good and we're going to miss out on so much of who god is of who he is in his character so psalm chapter 23 we'll read that together it says this the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul So when we read Psalm 23, you need to be convinced that God is good, and that He can do nothing but good. Psalm 23 starts by saying that, that the Lord, that Yahweh, God, is my shepherd. the Lord is my shepherd. So King David is the author of this psalm. What did David do before he became king? Somebody tell me? He was a shepherd boy. So he's taking years of experience of being a shepherd and he's saying it's kind of similar to how God deals with his people. We are sheep. If you are a child of God, if you're a true believer, if you're a Christian, you are one of God's sheep. And he is the good shepherd. So like I said, he's writing this psalm with years of experience being a shepherd. He sees the parallels between the way that he led his sheep and the way that God leads his people. And when you say, God is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. That's the infinite God, the holy God, the perfect God, the powerful God, the God that we've been talking about. We've just been talking about his attributes all summer. That God is your shepherd. He's your shepherd. He leads you. He guides you. He provides for you. He protects you. He directs you and so much more. God is our shepherd. So here's point number one. I want you to trust that God will provide. God is good. And I want you to trust that in his goodness, he will provide. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then down in verse 5, he says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. You need to trust that God will provide. And God's goodness, he promises this. He promises To provide for the needs of his children. It's a promise. The promise is that if you are one of his children, if you seek after God, then you will not be in need. You will not be in want. And it's because God is my good shepherd. We have to keep that in mind. It says the Lord is my shepherd and because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 34.10, it says, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. You need to trust that your needs, the things that you need, they will be met by God according to what he sees is best. God knows what you need. Look, this doesn't mean that all Christians everywhere will have the same exact physical and material blessings and abundance and, and the same provision, but it does mean, it does mean that if you trust God, He will meet your needs. And the beautiful thing about this is that God knows exactly what you need. Every day, all the time, in every situation, He knows what you need. Even when you don't know the things that you need, He knows. And He will meet your need. He promises to do that so you can trust Him to provide. Psalm 37, 25. It says, I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. This is another Psalm of David. David is writing that as an old man. He's saying, look, I was was young and now I'm old. And throughout my life, I have never seen a righteous person be forsaken by God. He's never seen the righteous man's children begging for bread. He's never ever seen God's people not being given the things that they need. And then in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, it says this, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Even an evil father, even a wicked man with children will give his children a good gift. It's God's desire to meet The needs of his children as our shepherd as our good shepherd it's his desire to meet the needs to provide for his sheep and if even sinful fathers give their kids good things how much more will our heavenly father how much more will our good shepherd provide for the things that we need you need to trust that god will provide what you need you will probably never you'll probably never get everything that you wish you had. Most likely, that's not going to happen. You're never going to be at a point where you say, everything that I wish I could have, I have. But you will never be in want for the things that you need as a child of God. And as a Christian, you need to be determined to never live in want. To never let your wants the things that you wish you could have become your main focus. It's easy to let that happen. I mean, I, I, could, I could think right now probably of a thousand different things that I want. Things that would be cool to have, that, that I wish I could have. And that can quickly become all that I think about. I don't have this. I don't have that. I want this. I wish I had that. But those things are not things that I need. And the Bible says that I shouldn't be in want. Shouldn't be in want for more than what God has given me. Because my good shepherd is going to give me what I need. And I know that my good shepherd has determined what I need. He knows what I need, even when I don't. So no matter what comes at you, no matter what life throws at you, Hardships or, or, or famine, old age, sickness, whatever, whatever happens. The Lord is your shepherd. Do not be in want. The Lord will provide. That means you should never be convinced that you are in need of something that God hasn't already provided you with. So as I was preparing for this, I had a thought. I don't think it's like a revolutionary, crazy thought, but I had this thought of: What about Christians that are starving to death? It's like you hear stories, you hear about villages and other countries, and there there are Christian people. There are there are some of God's children elsewhere, and and they're starving to death. It's like, well, wait, the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. And I need food. I need I need these things to survive. So how how what, what does this mean? How how can we Hope we figure this out. In order to make sense of this, you have to have a shift in your perspective. You have to think about things in a different way than you're probably used to thinking about things. When God says that his children will not be in want, He, he is saying, He is saying that He's going to meet their needs, that He's going to provide what His children need. But like I said, only God knows what you need. You might think that you need something. You might be in a situation where you're convinced that you you need a job. You need need food. You need these because we need them to survive. It's true. But maybe God has determined that that's not what you actually need at that point in time. When the Bible says that you won't lack something that you need, it means that a Christian will have exactly what God determines is best for you at that time. He is your good shepherd. Even whenever you look around and you're thinking, what in the world is going on? I need this God. I need this God. He's not withholding a good gift from you like an evil father. He's not saying, oh, yeah, you do, but I'm not going to give it to you. He's saying, you may think you need it, but right now you need something else. And it could be a number of different things. Maybe you just need to focus on him more than you need to focus on your job or your friendships or or something else, but you just need to focus on him. He knows what you need. You can trust him to provide the things that you do need. So look, this means that when you suffer, this means that when you suffer, when you go through trials, God has determined that that's what you need at the time. That, That you need to go through something difficult. And I know sometimes that doesn't make any sense to us because we're like, wait, God, you're supposed to be good. If you're good, then how can you put me in this situation? That's because, unfortunately, we're trained to think that God is only good whenever I'm getting everything that I want. That's not the case. That's not what the Bible says. Sometimes God will see, will deem it necessary for you to suffer. 1 Peter 1.6 says, In this You rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So, when you suffer, when you're going through trials, when something in your life is going wrong, our response shouldn't be, God, I thought you were good. Where are you? I thought you were good. I've been told my whole life that you're good. What's going on? Your response should be, You are good. And I don't get it. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I need. You know better, God. But I'm going to trust that whatever I'm walking through right now, you have deemed it necessary for me. So help, help me to see. God, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to learn? Where do I need to grow? What's going on? That should be our perspective. That should be our attitude. Because at times, God will deem it necessary for you to suffer. And then the very next verse, 1 Peter 1.7, it says this. It says, you have been grieved by various trials so that, here's here's one of the reasons why, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So sometimes you go through trials, sometimes you suffer, Because God knows what you need is is you need stronger faith. You need to trust him more. When you're convinced, I need a job, I need a job, I need a car, I need this, I need that, God's saying, you know, you need to trust me more. You need to trust that I will provide for you, that I will meet your needs. So no matter where God is leading you, through, through, through suffering, whatever it may be, It's not meaningless. Even for people where where God is, is allowing you to suffer and even to die. It's not meaningless. God is your good shepherd. And you can trust that he will provide what you need. And your trust in God, it should be challenged. Your trust in God should be deepened in light of his infinite goodness. She's like, God, you are so good. I just, I'm just gonna trust you. I'm just gonna trust that, that you know what you're doing and that you're gonna provide for me and that when things don't make sense to me, I'm just gonna say, God, you're the good shepherd, so I'm not gonna be in want. I'm just gonna trust right now that with whatever's going on, you know what you're doing and you're still good. He will always be good to you. Because he will always be good. So trust him. And then further down in verse 5, it says, You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. This is representing the, the blessings, the provisions. David is saying, Hey, I'm satisfied with what you've given me, God. My cup overflows with your goodness. David's cup overflows, and so does yours. If you're a child of God, if you you are one of his sheep, your cup is overflowing with the blessings and the goodness that God is giving you. Even when things around you look terrible, God is still showing his goodness to you in so many ways. We've got to have that shift in our perspective to see it, to think things through this way, biblically. That God is good, that he is the good shepherd. So God, he shows his goodness to his children by providing. And he also shows his goodness to his children by leading. The next part says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Here's point number two. Follow God's lead. Follow God's lead. In his goodness, in the goodness of God, he promises to give personal guidance to those who put their trust in him. That he will guide you, he will lead you, he will direct you where you should go as your good shepherd. A shepherd with literal sheep will lead his sheep to green pastures, to still waters. The sheep are stupid. The sheep, they need to be led to a place with green grass. Otherwise, they would starve to death. And sheep, for some reason, they will not drink from a rushing stream. They're too afraid of the water rushing. They won't drink from it. They have to find somewhere with still water, and they'll drink from it there. So this good shepherd will lead them to where they can graze and rest in the the green pastures, where they can wash in this still water and drink the water. And David is thinking about this, and he's reflecting on how God has guided him through his life, that he, he has guided him to these green pastures throughout his life. These green pastures, they represent something pleasant, something lovely, something enjoyable. The still waters are comforting, something that's comforting, something that is restful. And the thing is, the sheep would never get to the green pastures, they would never get to the still waters if the shepherd wasn't guiding them. So you can trust, you can just know that that following God's lead, that's the only way you're going to get to where he wants you to go from following his lead. Psalm 37, 23 and 24 says, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he falls, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. He will guide you through God's leading, through God's guidance. Your needs are met. You are Restored. When, when you need rest, he leads you to rest. When you need provisions, he, he will provide. He leads you to these provisions. When you need wisdom to make a decision, he leads you in wisdom. And you would never get these things without God's guidance. As a child of God, he leads you, he guides you, he cares for you. He will make sure that you get to these green pastures, these still waters, the places that you need to go. When, when you are weak, he will make you strong. When you are downcast, He will lift your head. When you are worried, He will cast out your fear. He will lead you. He will guide you. And He is so good for treating His sheep this way. So you you can be confident. You, You can be completely confident that no matter what is going on in life, God is going ahead of you. He's with you. He's moving before you to lead you, to guide you, to provide for you, to take you exactly where you need to go. Isaiah 58, verse 11. I think it perfectly captures the picture of Psalm 23. It says this, And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. And Psalm 23 says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He leads you in paths of righteousness. God will always lead you to greater holiness. He will always and only lead you to greater holiness. He will never lead you to sin. He will never lead you to sin and to stumble. He leads you to obedience. So when you follow God's lead, you can trust, you should trust, that he will always lead you in righteousness. Well, how does God lead? Practically speaking, this is great, yeah, I need to follow his lead. How? How do I do that? I'm one of his sheep, he's my shepherd, how do I follow him? This may be obvious, but through his word. Through the word of God. Very familiar verse here. If you did Awana, you memorized this. It might be one of the theme verses. I don't know. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word of God is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. His word guides you, shows you where you should go, tells you what God loves and what God hates tells you the things to do and the things to avoid. Psalm 119.9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? Here's the answer. By guarding it according to your word. You guard your life, you guard your way by obedience to God's word, by knowing his word. He will direct you and show you where to go through his word. The good shepherd uses his word, his voice guide you. His word will never take you somewhere you shouldn't be. His word will never sabotage your life or lead you to be overcome by sin, by worry, by fear. He's the good shepherd and he leads you with his word. So his word leads you and his spirit leads you and guides you. John 16:13 When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Romans eight thirteen. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And then verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit living inside of you will guide you. Will sanctify you will show you where you should go. God's Spirit transforms you from the inside, makes you new. It makes you wise. And the work of the Holy Spirit will guide you in the paths of righteousness. The Good Shepherd is trustworthy. So you need to follow Him. You need to follow His lead. He will lead you in the paths of righteousness. Don't miss this. Why? For his name's sake. That's why. He leads you in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. This is another reason why you should just trust him. You should just take him at his word. You should just say, God, I don't understand what's going on, but I know that you're leading me in the way that I should go because you lead me for your name's sake. For his own name he does this. For his own name. For his own glory. He leads you and he guides you. So he expresses his goodness by the way that he leads his sheep. God also shows his goodness to his people by being present with them. Some of the most comforting words in scripture. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Here's point three find comfort in god's presence you you will face dark times and trying times as a christian if anyone who's a christian has ever told you if you put your trust in jesus your life is going to get better and you're going to have no trials i'm sorry they told you that they lied to you they're misguided that's not what the bible says you will face hardships you will face trials But you should be comforted as you face trials, as you walk through the darkest and most difficult of circumstances. David describes it as the valley of the shadow of death. That's that's intense. He's in the shadow of death, the lowest of circumstances, the deepest, darkest period of his life. He says, even though I'm there, I will fear no evil. Why? Why? For you are with me. And look, this is right in line with what we discussed a couple of weeks ago from Psalm chapter 3. But this concept is all over the Bible. We can't escape it. That you should be comforted by the presence of God. That you should not fear. You should not worry. You should not be anxious. Because as one of God's children, He is present with you. And His presence should cast out fear. As you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you can trust that God is still in control. That he is leading you through it and that it is happening for your good. Again, that's another thing that we have to say, okay, that's tough because when I go through hard times, like we said, we don't like it, we don't enjoy it. So we want to say, God, where are you? What's going on? The truth of scripture, what he tells you is that when you are going through the valley of the shadow of death, Fear no evil, for He is with you, leading you through, and it's happening for your good. If you're one of His children, and we know the good, of course, is that you're being made more like the more to the image of Jesus Christ. God is so good; He is so good that He uses the darkest the worst circumstances in your life. He is so good that he takes those and he does something good with it. I want you to think about that for a second. That's how good he is. That nothing is wasted. That the hardest things you've ever walked through is a good purpose if you're a child of God. Your good shepherd is using this. Guiding you, leading you through it. God's goodness does not depend on your own circumstances. God's goodness, he he remains good when you're brought low. He remains good no matter what you're facing. He remains faithful to you when you suffer. He goes before you in your suffering. He stays with you in your suffering, and he brings you comfort when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. God is your good shepherd, so you should never be afraid. You should never be afraid of evil. Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Rhetorical question, the answer is no one can. No one can stand against. No evil can stand against. I will not fear because God is with me. Psalm 118.6, the Lord is for me, I will not fear. God's name, one of the names of God. He's given us multiple things to call him, right? His name in, in scripture, the name Emmanuel. What does that name mean? Somebody tell me. God with us. His very name points to the fact that he is your good shepherd and he is with his children. Many, many Christians have been comforted by this part of Psalm 23, even on their deathbeds. Even on their deathbeds. Death is there. The shadow of death is literally looming over these people. The person with terminal cancer, the person who is just in a terrible car accident, the person who gets surprisingly sick after living a completely healthy life before, and all of a sudden they're knocked to their deathbed. This verse brings comfort. They're comforted in their last moments because God is with them. God removes fear. He is so good that he removes fear. Um, I knew a pastor when I was younger. His name, uh, his name was Pastor Wayne Watts. Really, really old guy. He'd been a pastor for a very long time. Very suddenly, Pastor Wayne was diagnosed with stage four cancer. It was terminal. They told him, there's there's nothing we can do. You've got a few weeks left. And he, he preached up until he died, pretty much. He stayed faithful. And I will never forget. I'll never forget what he would say every time he got an opportunity to preach after his diagnosis, he said, the Lord is with me. He said, whether I get to stay here or whether God calls me home, I win. I'm not afraid. He said, I'm not afraid to battle this for for weeks, for years even. And I'm not afraid to go. Because God is with me here and I know where I'm going. It's so comforting. He is so good. God is so good to his sheep. He's so good to his people that when you are looking death in the face, you can say, I, I'm not afraid. And other other people, right? Other, other people, maybe an atheist or maybe someone in some other religion, right? They, they might say, Oh, I'm not afraid of death. They're lying. Like We're the only ones that can actually confidently face the valley of the shadow of death and say, I will not fear, for God is with me. God is so good. As a shepherd leads his sheep through the wilderness, he's, he's present with them and he is protecting them. He has a rod and he has a staff. And he's protecting these sheep. These are, these are tools that bring comfort to the sheep. I guess. <laughs> That's the point. They would function as protection, right? Against predators, against wolves, against whatever else that may come to attack them. They, they protect the sheep with the rod and the staff. But they were also tools of discipline used to keep the sheep in line. Used to keep the sheep from, from going off into the wrong path. So God, our good shepherd, He protects his sheep. He protects us from danger with his rod and with his staff. And his protection should bring you comfort. His presence should bring you comfort. His protection should bring you comfort. God never fails at protecting his people. He never fails at protecting you. A shepherd may fail. A lion or a wolf or something might get a sheep. But God will never fail to protect you. Even if God sees it fit to allow his sheep, to allow his people to die, he is still protecting them because where are they going to be in his presence? God is so good. And you can even find comfort in the discipline of God because his discipline is done in love. He disciplines you with his rod, with his staff to keep you in line, to keep you on the path of righteousness. And he's so good for doing that. When he disciplines you, maybe the trials that you're walking through, maybe it is discipline. Maybe it's God trying to get your attention saying, hey, hey. Come back. He's good for doing that. He's good for his discipline because he loves his sheep. Because he's the good shepherd. And even when you're in the presence of enemies, he generously provides for you and protects you. Prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. See that's saying, No matter what you're walking through, no matter what darkness, no matter what you're walking through, no matter what's going on, there's a table there before you. God is providing for you, even there. He will comfort you even when you're surrounded by hardships, by trials, by enemies, by threats. His goodness should bring you peace, should bring you comfort. His goodness will protect you when you're afraid. In the end of the psalm, it says, Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, this, this is just this is the exclamation point. This, this is how good God is. That as his child, as one of his sheep, his goodness follows you all the days of your life. It is following you, his goodness and his mercy. And not just that, that you are promised a dwelling place in his house forever. In the very presence of him. You're promised a dwelling place there. So point number four, I want you to treasure the goodness of God. We to think about how good He is to you. And just how good He is. I want you to treasure this. I want you to hold it near and dear to your heart how good He is. You need to understand exactly how good God is. You need to treasure the goodness. God's goodness should cause you to worship Him. To appreciate Him. To love Him more. And now look, the word follow. It's not... Just this picture of being casually followed by someone. You know how when you're like, hey, come follow me. I'll show you this. And someone like, walks beside you, just kind of chill, like following. That's not, that's not what we're talking about here. That's not the word follow. Really, this could be translated something different like chase or pursue. I was trying to think, what have I been chased by? What, what, what has like pursued me before? Have you guys ever been chased by like a wasp or a yellow jacket? You guys ever been chased? You ever tried to run away from one of those things? Your life will flash before your eyes. It is scary. It just things just don't leave you alone. They don't give up. They're just not going to stop until they sting you because they're terrible. You know, it's, it's in this pursuit after you. It is chasing you down. God's goodness is chasing you down. God's goodness is pursuing you all the days of your life. And thankfully, it's his goodness and not something painful that's chasing you down. His goodness is following you. His mercy is is pursuing you all the days of your life. You can't get away from God's goodness if you're a child of God. As one of his sheep, there's nothing that you can do. You can't run away. You can't outrun. You can't escape his goodness. That's how good he is. Everywhere you look, everywhere you look, all around you, you can see the ways that God is good and how he's good specifically to you and how he shows his mercy to you. So I want you to make a habit of reflecting on the goodness of God. Of thinking often, God, this is how you're good to me. This is how you've been good to me today. This is how you've shown me your goodness this week. And thank you for your goodness. And thank you that you will always chase after me with your goodness. And you're pursuing me in your goodness and your mercy all of my days. And not only does his goodness and his mercy chase you down, but, but one day, this is inevitable for all people, one day, It's going to reach you in its fullest extent. One day you're going to pass on from here and you're going to enter into his presence. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You will be in his house, in his presence, in heaven forever, experiencing his goodness in a way that that we should all just be longing for to experience his goodness in that way. So you should treasure, you should cherish God and his goodness. His goodness should cause you to rejoice and to worship just like all the other attributes we've studied. It should cause you to rejoice, to worship him. So Psalm 23, thinking about these things, thinking about God's goodness, right? It it shouldn't just lead you to love the green pastures, to love the still waters, to love the banquet, the table, and the presence of your enemies. Psalm 23, reflecting of the goodness of God, it should lead you to love the good shepherd more. God is good. All of his acts are good. Good. He deals with you in complete goodness and you should live your life in appreciation of his goodness. And you should worship him in light of the goodness that he has lavished on you. Let's pray. God, thank you for being good. God, everything about you down to your core, down... At the deepest level, God, you are good. And you deal with us in goodness. So God, thank you. Thank you for how you provide for us and for how you lead us and for how you comfort us. God, help us to treasure your goodness. Help us to love you because You are good. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.